Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars as we change the format once again this week from three people last week to Tony Whitlock from Auto and Race Facts. Good evening, Tony. Good evening, Craig. Look, we had a had an interesting conversation on last week's show about Le Mans, about uh, international racing, and I thought we'd continue it on because you're fresh back from Europe and uh, have certainly been taking a lot of notice about what Aussies are doing overseas. Yeah, look, maybe I'll just make mention about it was the first time I'd been a member of the GA, General Admission, since 1985. So about every 30 years I go to a racetrack where I'm not a member of the media, I'm just walking in the gate. And can I tell you that going to an Australian car racing uh, meeting is a much better thing than going to one in Europe. I went last year, went to America, to NASCAR, to IndyCar and to Historics. And I think even there, uh, Australians are better served in this country than going overseas because toilets, food, viewing areas are much better done at Australian races than they are overseas. And I'm not complaining. I'm not trying to, you know, put a downer on any of those things. It's just the the bare fact. That was my experience. Disappointing. I I stayed for half of a a 24-hour race, and I didn't see the most exciting part. But I think a large number of people probably didn't see the most exciting part in the last three minutes. Mm. It, but it was certainly interesting to go and do and see, and I, you know, I'm glad I did it. It has been also very interesting to see the ebbs and flows in Australian motorsport and how they ebb and flow overseas. We've seen strong British touring cars, we've seen strong world touring cars. At the moment, we certainly have GT3 on a huge up, and and sports cars, uh, you know, they they are a fickle. Um, they are a fickle sport or avenue of the sport because they so heavily depend on manufacturer backing, but you always have Ferrari there, you always have your um, your one or two brands that are putting you know significant money into it. So whilst it might not be the breadth of the field like we see in Australia, there are some very quality race cars on the track. Absolutely. I went last year to the Monza to see the Blanc Plane series, and it was really interesting to see that in comparison to going into some Australian uh, GT championship events and somewhere where those cars were the hero cars of the event. So it wasn't like they were taking a backseat to the V8 supercars. Uh, and the Blancpain series is very much like a slightly larger version of Australian GT. And, you know, that they don't have... Uh, um, uh, as, as as many events as the Australian ones do, I don't think, because they split it up into two, in the same way Australia has as well, the sprint and endurance. And where clearly uh, Stefan Rattel has had great success in turning GT3 into a major worldwide event. And obviously, 
you know, with Bathurst becoming part of an Asian championship, it's going to see that grow as well. Um, just And, you know, I mean, it's fantastic to see the number of Australians who are going to be competing at Belgium. I don't know. I think it's the weekend after Townsville, isn't it? Yes. Belgium? Yeah. yeah I'm pretty um, sure You it know, is. there's a fantastic number. I mean, you know, obviously the, the usual uh, culprits like Van Gisberg and John O'Webb's going and driving a Lamborghini over there. There's Roger Lagos and the Steve Owens and all these sort of guys, and they've all got really good drives, and it's fantastic to see. Um, it's not just they're making up numbers or anything like that. They are in, in cases of, well, uh, great repute. Um, one of the interesting things that's certainly happened in the last few years, and obviously um, we've seen a number of uh, Australasians, you know, obviously Scott Dixon and Will Power both become IndyCar champions, um, but to see a way in which is, uh, the American network has grown so well and their, their stairway to the top through Formula Ford 2000, through Mazda, series, um, Indy Lights, and, and then obviously Indy Cars. And, you know, just recently, I can't remember where the event was, but there were three Australian kids who were on the podium in a Formula 4 2000. I mean, it just identifies how much more accessible and achievable it is to go to the American route. to go. And so, you know, I mean, obviously, Matty Braben, um, you know, he did extremely well going and racing there in Formula 4 2000, Indy, Indy Lights, and, um, you know, becoming a winner... And obviously has had his uh, Indy 500 start. Um, so that's wonderful the way I'm seeing that done, whereas Formula 3 and all those avenues had become so horrendously expensive. I mean, the, the last one, Scott Pye was probably the last kid who actually uh, was off in F3. But we've seen Will Davison, Will Power, so many of them try that route and run out of money. It's just uh, going through Europe. It's just a, a very difficult way to try and get to the top. Whereas America seems that just a little bit more, uh, you know, within reach. Yeah. We'll take a break here on Inside Supercars, but there's plenty more to talk about when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and uh, Craig Rivell having a discussion about what Australians have been doing overseas, following on from our conversation on last week's show. And, uh, Tony, you you spoke at the top about how uh, Australian race fans get it so well. And I think that's an interesting point to investigate because numbers are starting to come back to the racetrack and obviously there's quite a bit of difference between the way Europeans put on a motor race to the way we do it here in Australia. And I, I particularly remember... Um, uh, Mel Kenyon talking to me about Speedway, where if they've got a speed car or a midget show, as they call it, it's only midgets on there. Whereas you go to the Speedway in Australia and you'll get, you know, bikes, cars, open wheel cars, sedans, all on the one program. And I think that's one of the things that is uh, unique about Australian, certainly Speedway, but about Australian motorsport. But it also is to the detriment too, because you then are trying to pump in 
so many different things, so many hours of TV, and you're not really headlining the act, as it were, and you're not putting a nice border around the prestige product. I'd say that probably the start of all this was maybe from the days of Bob Jane in the, at Calder um, in the um, early 80s, or maybe late, uh, late 70s, um, when they were putting on events where there were multiple categories. And, of course, um, it all changed in 85 when the debut of uh, FIA Formula One in Adelaide. And for the first time in Formula One, there was a sort of like a wall-to-wall schedule where cars were rolling out. And they picked up, um, you know, probably what Bob Jane and maybe an Ivan Stibbard and others had done at different at race meetings and, and Alan Horsley, of course, at Oran Park. When you're keeping the, the crowd entertained by cars, one event after another, and maybe it was to the detriment, but it did change forever the way in which um, Formula One was looking at things. I mean, of course, for nine of the 11 years, I'm pretty sure, um, the Adelaide uh, organisers, South Australian Motorsport, won the award as the best organised Grand Prix. That's a phenomenal record, and of course... It was that very same organisation that taught Eccleston and Foker how to actually do um, corporate uh, entertainment at a track. You know, they never have a pa- never had a paddock club like they did in Adelaide in '85, and suddenly the whole world of Formula One was changed because it could be seen where people were going to be treated when they were corporate guests in a manner they'd never had before. Um, and it was that typical thing, of course, in Australia where oh, we don't know how they do it overseas, but this is how we're going to do it. And suddenly it was the new benchmark, and it was really interesting. I, I remember actually talking to um, Mal Hemmerling, who uh, was one of the organising committees, first of all in South Australia with the uh, the Adelaide Grand Prix, and then later on with the, at Eastern Creek with the motorbikes. He was involved heavily in, in organising those first meetings. And Hemmerling told me, that um, if Bob Jane hadn't held those race meetings where the um, uh, Formula Atlantic cars or Formula Pacific cars ran, ran Calder, albeit it was like a goat track, it did show Eccleston and, and Foker that something that they could hold Formula One races in this very safe environment and one that where they could have you know such controlled costs, even though it was the other side of the world, it was just such a great event. And, you know, in those days, of course, people would get up during the night to actually watch the race, whereas, of course, Eccleston demanded that the race was moved to a time now where, you know, they can get up early in the morning and watch it, not have to be up all night. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's a very different sort of event if you go to a Grand Prix in Australia to what you'd go and see at most other Grand Prix around the world where there are very few other races on, you know, a GP2 or a, um, or a Porsche Cup something like that, most events, they don't have anywhere near the number of races during that day. Now, is it safe to say a lot of the push to have multiple categories now is because they cover the costs of putting on the event and um, their entry fees, their their, uh, crews and everything like that that are paying to get in, they're actually underwriting some of the cost of putting these events on. Uh, undoubtedly, that is true. But I, I do think also that um, promoters in this country have very much had the very strong desire 
to make sure that when you pay your money to go to an event here, that you're going to see, have entertainment. You're going to see cars on track. It's not going to be vast periods where the, you know, there's just nothing. I look, I, I remember going to the parade on the Friday before the Le Mans race, and if either in Darwin, Townsville, um, or say um, I can't remember where else they have uh, a truck parade or a, a parade before the event. The people in those towns had seen what was put on the Le Mans 24 hour on the Friday. They would have been horrified. They would have said, this is rubbish. I just couldn't believe that so many tens of thousands of people, the streets of the city of Le Mans were absolutely jam-packed with people. And it was a rubbish parade. Just absolutely pathetic compared to what we're used to. Looking at one race in particular, and that is the Bathurst race, multiple changes over the years on that race, and I don't know whether it's been to the benefit or the detriment, but now we used to be you'd have a morning warm-up, you'd have almost like an Indianapolis 500 build-up to the race with bands and, and uh, you know, shows up and down the basically the, the pit straight, and, uh, and then you had the race. Nowadays, you have at least... At least a Ute, maybe a Porsche race. Well, at least a Ute and a Porsche race, maybe a TCM and Porsche race, all on before the main main fair. Is that the best way to go? Is or is it just, you know, you're just trying to put too much on, and uh, you know, not offering the. Oh, look, I think I think that um, I, I actually heard that Tim Sindrick, the uh, Penske's right hand man had said that um, he thought that the Bathurst pre-race was better than the IndyCar 500 pre-race. Um, well, you know, they're vastly different because they start at different ends of the day. So, you know, that's, that's the same one. But, you know, look, I'm, I'm of the opinion that putting on all those races beforehand, I don't think it belittles the main game or the main race. And it gives the crowd a build-up and some excitement. Um, I, I think it works well the way it does, and uh, it certainly provides some uh, great excitement in the lead-up to the start. Mm. Well, a break here on Inside Supercars, and then we'll turn our attention to Townsville. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel having a discussion about a number of different things, but we turn our attention to Townsville, and whilst you were away, I'm sure you've caught up with the uh, the horrid smash that Lee Holdsworth suffered in the Preston Hire Racing car, and uh, Team 18 is going forward, but not with their car. They're bringing in a young... 18-year-old driver driving the 18 could be fitting, but it's uh, Kurt Kozeski who will be Kosecki, stepping. Yeah. Kosecki, sorry, yeah, who will be stepping up. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I would think this is a uh, 
uh, a minimization of um, cost uh, for, for Charlie. Um, I'm not suggesting he's running short of cash at all, but rather than he's already got to put a new car on the track, so uh, rather than uh, rushing out to get one in um, out there for um, Carl Reindler, um, doing a deal with Koseki. I mean, the kid and his father obviously want to be racing in the main game in a couple of years, so all points to it. I think it's uh, terrific that uh, he's getting this opportunity, and obviously um, the... Uh, uh, Jeff uh, Gretsch run team will will no doubt uh, put the kid out there in something that'll be worthwhile, and you know he'll learn something. And the team obviously will learn a little bit and uh, get ready for when uh, Lee comes back. And of course, interesting Lee, we see the fact that um, it looked very much like Charlie wasn't going to be able to get a rolling chassis to put a car together, and so he's called the deal a lifesaver. Um, because if you don't turn up at a race, that's $250,000. That's money for nothing, really, and you're better it off was, making sure you have a car. It was 150 per event. Mm. It might have changed. Oh, but, yeah, sorry, was, I might have put an extra 100 yeah. on there. Sure, they yeah, would have been anyway, taking an extra 100 But yes, yeah, yeah, no doubt, but um, it, yeah, it, it obviously saves that and means that uh, there'll be a car on the track and um, no doubt that there's a fairly complex arrangement on how who's funding what and things like that but it, it you know i mean it would seem that uh um triple a driver uh, team 18 and and charlie they're working towards you know having a a good event for the enduros a good uh, entry for the enduro races mm. and a week after doom and gloom for queensland all the deals got signed as expected and it's interesting to see that uh, Townsville this weekend is going to be going for a fair bit longer yet. Yeah, look, it is a fantastic event. And, you know, obviously there is a, a lot of starvation in far north Queensland for motorsport. And, you know, it shows it with, with uh, great crowds turning up. And it is a, a wonderful city to put on such a, a terrific race and a wonderful track as well. Mm. It's had a... It's had an interesting history in its eight years. And will this weekend be the weekend that Jamie Winkup steps back up? He's had seven wins at the track. He's the, you know, by far and away, the uh, most dominant driver. And is this where he'll put an exclamation point on his season? Yeah, um, I think there's a number of people who are hoping to uh, reclaim lost ground. I mean, I, I imagine that the major focus will be uh, in terms of HRT. They've certainly been floundering and um, it's been a track where they've had enormous success in, in recent years with Garth and James. So they'll be looking to uh, get back uh, on a podium or two. Um, and, and then obviously Triple Eight, they've had uh, good success as well with a number of their drivers. So yeah, it, it, it certainly will be an interesting one. Um, and no doubt with a very small spread over the top six or seven drivers in the points, it'll be a, a reshuffle again for those who have a good weekend and those who don't. Um, yeah. The great thing about this year is it's not just people in new cars and people in new teams. It's people who are in better places, people who are in environments that are, are attuned to where they are, like Fabian and um, a, a one and look even Dave Reynolds I mean I think they're going to achieve more consistent results that that uh, Erebus hasn't had for a number of years 
Um, so I, I think that there will be a, uh, a lot of good things to watch this weekend. Mm. And, of course, uh, Slade, Caruso getting on the winner's list or Caruso returning to the winner's list, it all bodes well for the... It's not just two teams anymore, um, Pro Drive Racing Australia and Triple Eight. It's yeah. really a much wider wider field. It might be those two teams going for the championship, but on any weekend it's not just four cars. No, and, and it's fantastic to see the way in which there's been that spread. Um, obviously the 10 from 13 races, I think, are the number of winners. Um, it, you know, it's interesting that uh, the dominance that hasn't been there from from any of those uh, other teams, you know, that ProDrive and Triple Eight haven't been able to dominate, nor have any of the teams. It's been a, a real up and down for everybody. What's the most unique thing about this track at Townsville, though, Tony? Um, the fact that it's got two distinct aspects to it. One, of course, is like any street course with uh, the bumps and the railway crossing and various things, and the other part of it that where there is so much of the track that is like a, a permanent race course. Um, so you've got those two very distinct things. And, and to see in which it's how well you do in the bad part. You know, it's how well you do in the, the rough, bumpy bits, the curbs and those sort of things. Um, and obviously, um, over the last uh, eight years or so, there's been some dramatic changes in the way in which the cars are, are set up because, you know, the improvements have been made in shockers and springs and setups and the understanding of them. I mean, it's interesting to see just recently uh, where Brad Jones has signed a deal with Pratt & Miller uh, from the States to get involved in it. So, you know, this desire to increase your technology base so that you can increase the you setup skills so that you can go in there and say, right, this is what should work. And, you know, you've got people there who you can draw on to help make the car work better. Well, one team that needs to get their car working better, but perhaps it should be no surprise that HRT are in the amount of hurt they're in. Um, their cars traditionally don't work well on um, a number of circuits in the championship. They like high grip normally. They do like the street circuits. But then you get into the, the other regular circuits and they're just not finding their setup. So with all the changes that uh, HRT have been pulling engineering-wise, do you think they are really ruling themselves out of this year or are these changes going to pull some results? If you sort of came out of the Adelaide weekend and thought they were going to end up in the pain they are, it's hard to conceive that same that's happened. But there have been such up and downs for that team you know, I mean, I suppose that one of the biggest um, inconsistencies is Garth just hasn't qualified well. You know, we all know that, you know, when it comes race day, that Garth is capable of uh, bringing a car from the back of the pack. You know, I don't know if he's had the most race places game this year or not, but it certainly looks like he has. Mm. But well, Courtney hasn't done bad with that either. He's been able to drive through the field. Um, yeah. But the problem is you don't want to be driving through the field you want to be driving away from the field well yeah i mean particularly when you you see them as it happens they're losing doors on their way through the pack up in uh, darwin um clearly not the way in which you want to be bringing your cars back um also damaged and busted up uh and particularly when they're already it looks as though sponsorship wise they're already fairly challenged 
Um, Are they yeah, much chance that, of keeping their driver line up? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, look, it, it, it's, uh, I think it's very important that HRT does uh, get back up there because um, they're an important part of the history of this sport. Well, they're also changing their livery. They're going to go with the blue and maroon for the state of origin. And of course, one of many changes this weekend. We've got a pink DJR car and new sponsorship or new partnerships with Tim Slade and a whole bunch of others. I think boat sales is on uh, Todd Kelly's car as well. So there'd be some very different looking machinery up there at Townsville this weekend. We need to take a break, Tony, and then we will have a... Uh, A bit of a look at the silly season, which uh, got turned on its head a week or so ago. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Percat. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel discussing the... uh, well, the news of the week, and Scott McLaughlin, you've had a, you've spent a fair bit of time with him over the uh, the years. I, I first met him when he was a go karter in New Zealand, and he uh, was uh, out at a go kart track just outside Hamilton. I met him, so it was probably seven, eight years ago or more, and uh, he was a you know bright eyed, bushy tailed young young kid that what was hoping that Jason Bright and Brighty was involved with him for a period of time. Look, it's fantastic news. Um, he obviously didn't uh, turn his back readily on Gary Rogers, but clearly with the news of Volvo out that Scotty had to make a decision that was best for his career, he's certainly done that. He's gone to a team that um, will be able to deliver the things that he needs and wants. Um, interesting that you know the, the two uh, pilots at uh, DJR Penske will be um, a pair of New Zealanders. Um, that, because uh, Penske uh, first moved to New Zealand, I think it was about six years ago, or maybe five years ago, in the truck rental business, long before he actually was uh, focusing on Australia. Um, Roger Penske, of course, is, I'd say, in the top five, uh, maybe even higher than that, maybe in the top three in world motorsport. And so for, uh, for Scotty to go there, he knows full well that if he demonstrates that he's capable of, uh, racing in bigger bigger packs and bigger venues, then he'll certainly earn a, a ride in America with uh, with Roger Penske. Hmm. And, of course, Dunlop Series returns to the track as well. There'll be some interesting racing in that one and potentially some new main game drivers being drawn from this field. Yeah, look, um, certainly uh, Jack LeBrock and Gary Jacobson, I think they sit equal on points at the top of the table. Is that I, right? I don't have the points I, in front of me. I think um, Jacobson got correct. away. Yeah, um, and the great thing is, of course, that they're uh, they're in a pair of really good cars. I mean, there's there's been a very quick acceptance by uh, some of the established runners of uh, having the uh, 
the car of the future in that category now. I mean, they're obviously two different classes. They're not that different. There's not that big a gap between them, but, you know, the, the best cars are running at the front of the field. But, yeah, look, it's fantastic that, that the Dunlop Series does get to play on the main game um, and uh, in front of a big crowd rather than as they were for some years being buried away at somewhere like Wakefield Park. Hey, don't knock Wakefield Park. Andrew, uh, James Golding is in third, 13 points behind, and you're right, Jacobson and LeBrock are still tied on points. And, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, of course, Golding's already been signed up to do the Enduros with Gary, so that's that's fantastic news. I mean, he clearly is a kid with a great amount of talent, and, and as uh, most would know who work at Rogers, that uh, they're never going to get a big head from uh, being put on an ivory tower. Mm, indeed, it's uh, normally looking for a young new talent, isn't it, with uh, Gary's yeah. philosophy. Well, we need to take a break. After the break, a final thought, and who would you rather be here on Inside Supercars? Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Tony Whitlock. Oh, look, I think it's fantastic that uh, the series, um, you know, it's it's having a bit of a stumble, and there are various things going on. And I mean, you know, talk about Indy cars coming back to the surface. I'm, I, I can't see the government fronting up with the money for that. So, you know, they'll turn back and say, you know, the, the Indy car event was terrific in its time, but now... You know, the supercars there on the on the Gold Coast work really well. Mm. Um, you know, I think the rest of the year should pan out uh, terrifically. Uh, I imagine there's a lot of Australian fans who wish that uh, V8 supercars would stop looking overseas. The Kuala Lumpur thing was, well, you know, they're, they're saying they're going to be back there next year, but, you know, we obviously will believe it when we see it because there have been so many venues that have gone for one or two years and then fallen over. So, will that be the way Mm. But yeah, look, Australian racing is in in pretty good shape, and so long as uh, kids that are worthy of uh, having a run overseas go there and get there, then you know I hope that continues on. Mm. All right, who would you rather be, Tony Whitlock? You mentioned the All New Zealand lineup for DJR Team Penske in 2017, Fabian or Scotty? Oh, I think Scotty will revel in that uh, circumstance. He'll uh, he'll come and make his mark very quickly. Uh, Tony, always a pleasure to catch up with you and great to see you back in the country. Thanks, Craig. Catch you soon. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.